Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Here's your look at how markets are shaping up as we look at how Wall Street wrapped up. So looking at stocks overnight, we are seeing a bit of a drop and we are seeing the S&P 500 pulling back by 0.5%, 4,119 as a closing level. The Nasdaq Composite dropped 0.6% to 12,180. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average pretty much flat or down 0.2% at 33,562. So investors just doing a bit of waiting and seeing with the key inflation report due later this week as well as what's going on with the US debt limit. Let's unpack what's happening in the world of markets with Nadine Terman. She is the CEO and CIO of Solstein Capital. Morning, Nadine, from well, Singapore, but it is a different time zone right now in California for you. <laughs> That's right. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, mid-afternoon here, but, but good morning there. Yeah, so you're right on top of things when it comes to markets in the U.S. So let's start with what you are taking away from the action so far. So we've had a pretty lackluster few days. What does this tell you so far about what investors are thinking? I really think it boils down to three things. One being the debt ceiling showdown. Um, we just got word that nothing happened, which we expected. Uh, basically, Biden and McCarthy started their meeting, uh, and then it ended with nothing occurring and each uh, leaving saying, we disagree, nothing's mm. going on. Um, basically, you know, they need to figure out how to deal with a $7 trillion budget deficit, and it's really hard to do that in just a couple yeah. of weeks. So. You know, that's number one is the debt shilling go down. Number two is still a lot of concerns around the banks. Um, and then three, we have CPI numbers coming out tomorrow. So I think folks are, given the hot jobs market data out last Friday, concerned about what might be coming down the pipe tomorrow in terms of inflationary data here in the U.S. Right, Nadine, let's unpack all these issues. So we've got a debt ceiling. We've seen this movie before. So what are some of the potential scenarios we should be outlining and what are the markets pricing in so far? Sure. So for the debt ceiling, you know, the U.S. has huge budget mismatch. So the budget is about 7% of GDP today, and that's compared to around 3% historically. So, you know, we haven't had a surplus here uh, for more than two decades. So we've racked up about $26 trillion of debt. And the interest on that debt that we have to pay is very high, and it's going to be one of the largest expenditures as a country. So call it around $900 billion. And that's equating to roughly what we spend on health care as a country. So it's a really big number here, more than defense or Medicare. And so we're going to need to make some tough choices, but no one's really wanting to agree to the choices made. Democrats are on one side, Republicans on the other. They have different things that they're trying to get through. And so, you know, the big question is that the U.S., if they can't come to agreement and they cannot kick the can down the road and say, hey, we're going to stop this ceiling issue for another three months. Let's kick the can to September then, you know, the U.S. is downgraded, interest rates are going to fly up, it's going to make everything a lot worse, so our debt will cost more, yields will jump on treasuries, benchmark rates will feed into everything else, so credit markets here would be significantly pressured for both consumers and businesses, and the repo market, so that's the fundamental liquidity for our financial system, you know, really would be hurt. So overnight lending relies on treasuries, so if the U.S. has a different credit rating, there'd be a huge contraction in credit and liquidity here in the United States. So you know, there's a lot of things up for grabs. We don't think it's going to happen, but 
Uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen. This happened back in 2011 when we started our, our hedge fund. So yeah. it has happened in the past. Well, fingers crossed that we do get a last-minute deal as we've seen before, um, happening down the road. Uh, of course, uh, you talked about a couple of things. We might see the ratings for creditworthiness for the US, for example, downgraded. So that could spur a few jittery moments for markets. Uh, what are markets pricing in so far? I believe the June bonds are reflecting some numbers in that order. That's right. So it's, it's pricing an issue. So you're getting a pretty high yield um, when you're looking at the June 6 treasuries right now. And when we're looking at other treasuries, you know, the, the 10 years at 3.52%, the two years 4.028% here. And you can get, a you know, a money market here at 5% plus um, backed by treasuries. But if the credit worthiness or the security level considered for those treasuries goes down for any reason, um, we're going to have a big problem here in the United States and, and most likely globally because a lot of things are priced off of obviously the security of mm. United States Treasury. So Nadine, so in the meantime, where would you be advising investors to look for safety? You know, one of the things, if you look historically, what happens in place to safety is gold goes up. We've been seeing that happening. Um, the dollar would go up. Obviously, equities and bonds here in the U.S. would go down. And so when you're thinking about a portfolio, um, we advise and obviously manage for our clients uh, a portfolio that has idiosyncratic positions so not everything that's going to move up or down together. So we would include some of those as well as hedges. All right. Another sector that we are watching is the banking sector. Of course, the headlines around SVB, First Republic, um, PacWest to some extent. Uh, that is still playing out. In fact, the IMF says it's still concerned about the recent turbulence in the banking sector. So how much is that worrying you on that front? Is the banking sector something you're looking to cut exposure on, for example? You know, we have had mostly international exposures to the financial sector. So um, across Asia and Europe, and um, less here in the United States. We also include financial exchanges because obviously when there's volatility, <laughs> people trade more, they put on uh, more hedges. Mm. And so they tend to do better when there's more volume of trading. And so we really haven't been um, long this area to have to lick some wounds, you know, but, but we're concerned when you, you know, we came from a private equity background, my senior team and I, and we understand from the VC community here and the private equity community they're really focused on their businesses. The businesses are having a hard time getting credit. If you're looking, you know, you look over in Europe um, in terms of the commercial real estate market, one of the largest groups there is having some trouble. And so we just think it might not be immediate, but we're going to continue to see a credit crunch here and possibly in pockets internationally. And so we would be cautious. We don't think this is time. It is a trade if you want to trade regional banks. We certainly help folks decide how to trade those things. Um, but we would be cautious in thinking that, we're, you know, the worst is over and we're not going to see more regional banking issues, especially with weakness in both commercial real estate and then, you know, general real estate prices going down and lending to those folks, which a lot of debt is still floating rate and not fixed rate. All right, we're in conversation with Nadine Terman. She is CEO and CIO of Sostein Capital. Now, looking at markets overall, we've been tracking quite a few lackluster sessions in the past few days. So, Nadine, how much conviction is there behind the moves um, that you're looking at right now, especially if you look at the VIX? It's down from the 20s not too long ago um, and now under 18. So what does that tell you about the market sentiment right now? Sure. So when we was in the 15s, 
we it's just, it's just too low. It's not pricing in any geopolitical risk. It wasn't pricing in any of these event risks that we're talking about here in the United States. So, you know, you can't see the S&P getting over 4,200. It keeps bouncing around near that level and coming down. And that's when the VIX was down in the 15s and big tech over 20% up positive year to date. And so when returns are concentrated in so few positions, there's really no breadth to the year-to-date numbers, and that should be concerning for folks. So even if you see a low volatility rating on the S&P, you really have to look behind that and say, well, what was making the S&P go up? And it was concentrated, you know, call it in the top 10 positions. You also look at yesterday's loan officer survey. It shows credit tightening, demand is lower, and swaps are really pricing in a 50-bit rate cut later this year which is only going to happen if we have serious problems. You also noted probably yesterday Chinese imports are down heavily, but everybody's just waiting for the CPI report tomorrow. That's why we think it's been bouncing around in a narrow range. Um, We're going to see if it's like that hot jobs report from last week, because the expectation is for a 5% year-over-year increase tomorrow. And if we see something much higher than that, you obviously would see equity markets get hurt because people are assuming that inflation is getting taken care of and the Fed's going to be able to cut. All right. Um, that's a good point. So inflation is one data point to watch out for. And on earnings front, we are seeing a couple of things happening. So if you look at the tech space, that's featured a few stock buybacks. So I'm just wondering what that means for investors. Is that a signal that perhaps the tech sector is undervalued to some extent? We don't think it's undervalued from a technical standpoint, but we just think they have a lot of cash flow and they're trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, companies are keeping their buybacks because I believe that they're a little bit concerned about where to spend. We saw $2.2 billion last week in buybacks. They need to show investors that they're investing in their business, investing in shareholders, and confident in their futures when actually you're looking at hedge funds and retail folks who are selling. The companies are buying their stock. Investors are saying, I'm not buying it. They're selling. The buybacks are above historical trends for the past five weeks. And that's after softer year-to-date figures through March. So they are really increasing their share purchases, call it through earnings seasons, the ones they've reported here at the end of you know April into May. And Apple was a case in point. They had a $90 billion buyback plan that they announced. And companies in the S&P overall announced around $200 billion of stock purchases in the past three weeks. That's a lot of money getting put back into the stock. But these same companies are cutting employees, they're cutting expenses, they're mm. cutting countbacks. So we really wouldn't read into these buybacks as saying everything's golden. I think they're just trying to reassure shareholders so they don't dump their stock. Yeah, to that point about value, Fang as a basket is up nearly 36% year-to-date. So they've had a pretty good run. So it really depends on how you look into these um, signals. And we're trying Nadine Thurman. She is the CEO and CIO of Solstein Capital. Nadine, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great day. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.